Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Now, I keep giving Jim Ursay a lot of credit for being kooky and entertaining as hell. And you know why? He's kooky and entertaining as hell. But every time I shout out Ursay, Jera, Jera Jones, does something crazy to pull me right back in. So Ursay and Jera Jones are locked in a battle right now as to see who can be the zaniest, kookiest, and most entertaining figure in pro football. And you know what? In a phrase, love to see it. Love to see it. <laughs> love to see it. Love My favorite it. thing about Jera is that I can no longer tell if this dude is the biggest troll in the entire world or if he's just ancient. Like, is he that old and that out of touch and that clueless? Or is he actually just the opposite, a world-class troll who is getting better at trolling all the time and getting over on all of us? Case in point. His comments this week about pass rusher Sam Williams, who was arrested last weekend on charges of possession of a controlled substance and unlawful carrying of a weapon. And if that weren't alarming enough, it is the second straight offseason that this second-year player has been arrested. So that's not good. In fact, that's below not good. There are no positives to take away. There's no way to spin this positively. Unless, of course, you're Jera. And if you're Jera, you gather the media around, you pull the mics close, and then you let the cameras zoom in on that pale, leathery, restructured face, and you say this. Well, uh, first of all, I'm saying that he is, as, which is more often the case than not, uh, this sounds a little hollow, but he does and is... Uh, maturing uh, and he is uh, the uh, uh, what was he going 66 was he going 66 miles an hour last year no this year so he's 34 miles an hour less than this year than he was last year 98 to 66 so that's improvement you're right pops that does sound a little holler this dude's incredible he's unreal at least that answer was still better than Kirby Smart's quote, this is the age where speeding happens, end of quote. Then again, that is setting the lowest possible bar. Man, I would love to hear the bleep that flies out of this old man's mouth when there aren't cameras rolling. How is this guy still calling the shots for a pro football team? How was he ever the guy calling the shots for a pro football team? And how is it still happening even now? It's incredible. It's also incredible that people are hyping the hell out of his team right now. You know, like they do every single August. Even though that team never wins a damn thing. And isn't going to win a damn thing this year either. Forget the team. I don't need to worry about that team. I'm not even interested in the team. I just want more Jera. This dude is like... The drunk uncle on Thanksgiving, except he's like this every single day. He doesn't just show up and get lit and wreck shop on Turkey Day. This is just how this guy lives. It's a lifestyle. It's an identity. It's every day. No days off. No days off. 
And he does it while running the Dallas Cowboys. It is incredible. It's so much more compelling than anything the Cowboys do on the field or have done on the field in decades. And it's not even close. Seriously, forget Cowboy football. What I want is to watch Jarrah mic'd up 24-7. Keep a camera on this dude all damn day. Give him his own channel. Hell, let's Truman show the old man. I promise the Jarrah show will be a whole lot more interesting than the team right now, than the team this year. Although I do have to admit, Big Mike taking over the play calling is pretty interesting in and of itself. Mostly because I know that it's a disaster in the making. Mostly because I know it seems like Big Mike has set himself up for a big headache. Big Mike set a big trap for his big ass. He just had to run off Kellen Moore, didn't he? Had to run off Kellen Moore and let Kellen get to the Chargers so he could call the plays himself. Be very careful what you wish for, Michael. He better hope Kellen and the Chargers don't set fire to the league while his Cowboys offense struggles once again. Because you know what? That's how it feels. Would anybody really be surprised if that Cowboy offense completely stagnated and Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert just lit it up? Because to me, that's what it feels like. It looks to me like Big Mike is going to regret running that dude off. And that makes the Cowboys kind of, sort of interesting, but still not as interesting as the Jarrah show would be. The only issue with the Jarrah show is Jarrah is past his prime. We all know it. But the thing about the all-time greats, they're the last to know it. Think about it. You know, Willie Mays stumbling around in center field. Joe Namath tripping over himself in the backfield. You know, this is what makes these guys great. They think they can always do it. They can always pull the trigger. Jared's that guy. He thinks he's still that guy, but he's way past his prime. See, at this point, he's chasing that glory. He's chasing the glory hole days. Glory hole days. But they're over. He will never, ever get back to peak Jarrah talking about Zeke spanking himself in the locker room. Spanking himself as he emulates riding the horse. I mean, that, that is a guy at the peak of his powers. That is a dude in his prime. Spanking himself... Like he's riding a horse. Spanking himself as he emulates riding the horse. I take it back. Spanking himself like he emulates riding a horse. Spanking himself as he emulates riding the horse. He's not that guy. He will never be that guy. He's chasing that guy. You know, just like Zeke himself will never be peak Zeke running the rock. Like I always say... Jarrah's window is closing fast. And I don't mean his championship window because that slammed shut and got painted over and nailed shut ages ago. I mean his window on life. That window, that's closing fast. And every time he opens his mouth, he proves it. Which is why we're running out of time to get the Jarrah show up and running. We'd all watch. You know we'd all watch that dude running up on airline counters, leaving 20% of himself on Bourbon Street. He's been left on Bourbon Street. <laughs> and circumcising mosquitoes. Mosquito. We'd all watch it. And you know what? We all deserve it 
after having to suffer through the same exact cycle of preseason hype and postseason failure for the last three decades. We don't want that. We're sick of that. Give us what we want. The Jarrett Show, or what's left of it, or what's left of him. So he's 34 miles an hour less than this year than he was last year. 98 to 66, so that's improvement. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's not as good as Zeke spanking himself and emulating a horse, but still better than most. Spanking himself as he emulates riding the horse. It's got to be killing him that Ursay is getting all that run. Ursay is getting all that attention, but give it to the old guy. He's trying. A little Again, the question. Again, the question. Is that dude that ancient? Is that dude that out of touch? Or is that dude a world-class troll? Rub that dog's face in that blood and make sure that he remembers what it tasted like. He's got a million of them. I'm going to go with the former. He's that ancient. He's that out of touch. I mean, I got to wonder what Steven's thinking. Oh, man, what's Pop going to do with this one? Or if Steven's thinking, like, good, good. Run Pop out there. Stuck your finger Like weekend at Bernie's. Run Pop out there. And then they won't look at what's going on on the field. Then we won't have to deal with Dak not getting it done. Then we won't have to deal with Big Mike going Big Mike and butchering the clock. He's as Go pure get it, Pop. as mother's milk. Go get it, Pop. 1-800-636-8686. Hey, oh, and by the way, look who they have in week one. The Giants. The Giants. All that talk, all that noise Dak was going on about. You know, it's good that I didn't play in the preseason. That way I can focus on week one exclusively. Hey, brah, since you didn't play in the preseason or aren't going to, and you can use all that time to focus on week one, damn well better show up for week one. Better play lights out in week one. After all, you didn't have any distraction from the regular season because you could focus on week one. Better ball out. Because if they go and deal with the Giants and they get knocked the hell out, man, the heat is going to be on early. We get to suck on that all week. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper or what's your beef? We are joined right now by The Sugar Show. Sean O'Malley, Sean, how you living, champ? What's going on? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I'm living good. It's uh, 
you know, I feel like I've been champ for a while. So it's, uh, you know, life hasn't felt like it got it changed much. I feel like I've been the champ, and uh, now it's just, you know, officially the champ. All right, you know what? That's a really interesting response. I like that. So after cracking Sterling with that perfect counter right, I want to talk about the punch in a minute. Not only are you the champ, even if you've already felt like the champ, essentially you are now sitting atop the mountain and looking down on everybody else in the promotion. How does that part feel? Yeah, it feels good. Again, I kind of felt like I was doing that. I was never... You know, I wasn't ranked champ, but I felt like I was always kind of looking down on these guys as far as, you know, I'm making more money than them. I've got more opportunities than them. I'm just better than them in, in, in those aspects. And now I'm just better than them in fighting, too. I get to approve that and uh, feels really good. Sean O'Malley joining us. Sean, what I'm hearing from you is you already knew, you were already living that life before you actually had the crown. So to you, it was not a question of if, but a matter of when. So you knew. My question is, how did you know? It's a good question. Uh, I don't know. It was a deep, deep, deep self-belief uh, at an early age. You know, 16 years old, I started kickboxing. Really didn't even watch UFC. So kind of when I was like 17, 18, I started watching a little bit more. And uh, for whatever reason, I was like, I'm going to be champ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be champ. I was telling people around me. And uh, they were all kind of like, whoa. There was a few people, you know, at, an early, at that early age that were like, hell yeah, you're going to do it. And uh, for whatever reason, I just had this crazy self-belief that uh, I knew I was a good athlete. And I knew fighting came natural to me. I, I believe certain people are just naturally born fighters and I, I felt like that's how I was when I started kickboxing and I just you know put put in the work we're talking to Sean O'Malley Sean in terms of that explosive right hand now we know you have that in your toolbox but to land it the way you did can you take me through the punch did you know it was just a matter of time before he reached he overextended himself and then what did it feel like to land that shot yeah, when you land those shots, it, it, it feels like punching air. Didn't feel like I punched anything. It was just so smooth, um, you know. And and, that, and I was like, I like to think that it was just a matter of time. That's kind of the whole fight I went into, or going into that fight. I, I knew it was like if I can keep it on the feet, it's a twenty-five minute fight. If I can keep it on the feet, which is a huge if going against someone like Aljamain Sterling, the greatest bantamweight of all time. So the chances of me keeping it on the feet weren't huge. But I believed in my wrestling. I believed in my in, in my power in that right hand, and uh, I I assumed it was a matter of time before I landed it because I knew he had to come get me. He wanted to implement his game plan. His game plan was to push me up against the fence, get his hands locked, take me down. So I knew eventually he was going to have to create close that space, close that distance, and uh, it's it's hard to do against me. A lot of people were like wondering why he didn't try to shoot in the first round. And I don't think people understand how fast I am when I'm standing in front of them, switching stances, throwing stuff up the middle, punching them. And it's just, I create a lot of chaos. And uh, that chaos caused him to, you know, throw a punch. And he, it really wasn't a bad punch at all. It was a decent punch. It was a straight punch. It wasn't, I'm just that fast. 
Sean, people who know know exactly what you're talking about in all those things you just said. Like, he did actually try to take you down a couple of times, but your takedown defense was really, really good. To your point, the one place you don't want to go is to the ground with Aljo. We know this. We all know this, those who know the sport. So it was critical yes. that, that that thing did not go to the ground. But even more so, when we come to find out what you were dealing with, your coach said, Tim Welch, that 95% of the fighters out there would not have fought dealing with what you were dealing with. What was he talking about? What were you going through prior to the fight? Yes, yeah, six weeks out before the fight was the last time I did any MMA sparring, did any grappling. Um, I sparred on a Friday, six weeks, so six weeks from weigh-ins, and uh, I hurt my rib real bad. It was a muscle strain, like, right in, right in there on my rib, and it was uh, – it sucked. It was painful. Um, you know, there was thoughts of pulling out that since it was that far out. But I was like, well, I'll give it a couple weeks and see how it feels. Kind of try to grapple again. Didn't wasn't any better. So now we're already four weeks out. The fight's already huge. It's already a massive event. I'm the main event. I'm getting my title shot. There was just like I was like, there's no way I'm gonna pull out. I'm gonna go out there and 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 do what I know I'm capable of doing. I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get touched. So for me going into that fight healthy, 100%. My goal was to not get touched. Me going into that fight not 100% with a with an injury like that. My game plan just had to had to happen. It had to work. I had no option because if you would have taken me down, you know, I like to think, you know, twenty five minutes, I can tough it out, grit it out. But if anyone's had like pain, like those kind of injuries, it's not. It's a. It's hard to deal with. But I didn't have to. I I made it a very, you know, it, I made it, you know, and I didn't have to deal with it. And it was it was very uh, the fact that it played out like that is still why it feels so much like a movie because of, of dealing with that. I was going to say, Sean, I started to interrupt you. I was going to say, not that you lack for confidence, but to get through something like that and then to come out the other end the way you did, I mean, it's got to be mind-blowing for your confidence. And also, that's why it must feel like a movie. You know, I mean, for instance, you're dealing with demons, man, mental demons going into the fight. Even you, you're not a nervous guy. You said going to that fight, that was as nervous as you had ever been. Is it because of Aljo or is it because you were hurt? Both, 100% both. And and I said, you know, those nerves kind of came about more so further out, the, those four weeks, three weeks out. The closer I got to the fight, the more I can, you know, the more I really, really dial in and shut those out. Um, so fight day, zero nerves. On the walk, zero nerves. I kind of already accepted whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and I'm okay mentally with whatever happens. I go out there, lose, you know, you know I, I was okay with that possibility. Um, so I think that's where I was able to kind of not be nervous is I was okay with whatever happened, happened. And, uh, it's a very healthy mindset I have going into every one of my fights. All right. So Sean, the multi, multi, multi-million dollar question, how do you feel physically coming out of the fight and then who's next and when? Um, the multi, 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 multi-million dollar man will ask you or answer that for you. Um, who's next? I don't know. There, there's, there's, I have options. I have a lot of options. I know, I know Cheeto's acting like he earned a title shot, which is absolutely untrue. If he gets a title shot, it's because I picked him. I choose him. Um, and I don't really like the way he's been handling that. So I, I might skip him. I might skip over him. You know, Henry Cejudo's not really an option. He's coming off a loss. I just like to mention how short he is. And how uh, that I would love to help him with his wrestling defense. Aljo went 0 for 2 against me. And I think Aljo took Henry down four times. So I always would offer that 
for whenever Henry wants to come in and learn some stuff, some wrestling from me. Um, so those, he's not really an option. I just like bringing up his name because I know he gets fired up. Alexander Pantoja, the 125-pound champ. We have a uh, history. He's been calling me out with love. Um, you know, Marab's there. Corey's there. I have a, I have so many options right now, and it feels so good. Uh, December's the ideal time frame. But, you know, we, we could we could wait January, February. It kind of depends on my body feels. depends who I end up picking. Um, lot, lots going on there, but definitely not short on options. My man, that was a multi, multi, multi-million dollar response from the multi, multi-million dollar <laughs> man. I love this notion that you're going to teach the Olympic champ how to wrestle. Good on you, dude. Well done. Let me ask you the well, question. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna, no, I was just gonna. I was just saying, yeah, I would love to, you know, help where I can. Yeah, I know, man. Dude. You're about helping others out. I like that. I appreciate that about you. Let me ask you another way. Yeah. Do you fight who Dana White tells you to fight, or will you let Dana know who you're going to fight? Um, I like to think I have more power, but the, in reality, you know, UFC is going to do what they want. UFC is going to, you know, book who they want, when they want, where they want. You guys saw that with Aljo. He, he you know, fought three and a half months before that, and, and he said, you're fighting. Uh, you're fighting Sugar in, in Boston in August. So, you know, Dana's the man. Dana runs the show. Dana Hunter, they run the show. Um, so I'll, I'll be where they need me to be, when they need me to be there, and I'll do what I do. Hey, Sean, one last thought about Aljo. Coming into the fight, I mean, he was essentially the GOAT of the division. Nobody would doubt that. I mean, in that sense, is he entitled to an immediate rematch, or does he have to get back in line, in your opinion? Uh, I mean, he's a, he has a medical suspension from, uh, from the fight. So I think, uh, you know, if my, my time frame plays out how I want it to be, I'm fighting in December. Therefore, there, there would be no rematch there. Me and Aljo very, very well could meet up. Um, you know, I do think him moving up to 45 makes a lot of sense. He's a very big guy. He's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be outpowered at 145. He's very strong. He's very physical. He's going to have better grappling than a lot of those guys at 145. So who knows? We could even meet at 145 someday. Uh, I know he's, he's getting up, up there a little bit in age. But, he's, you know, to be honest, Aljo is still in his prime. Three and a half months ago, he beat Henry Cejudo. Um, so, and he just, you know, he got caught, but yeah, I think Aljo's that, that fight definitely could happen sometime down the line, uh, in the future. Well, like I said, it was an electric performance at UFC 292. He is the champ. Hopefully we see you again, Sean, in December and it all comes together. Listen, man, I appreciate you very much. Great to have you on the show. I was looking forward to the conversation, lived up to all the hype as always, and really good to talk to you, Sean. Thanks so much. Yep. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Appreciate you, dude. Good talking to you, the champ. Sean O'Malley, he obviously is a star. A star inside the cage, outside the cage. He sells, he promotes, his rap is incredible. His look is incredible. He's got crazy charisma. There was no shortage of people that when he landed that shot, they wanted to quickly compare it to Conor McGregor icing Jose Aldo the way he did back in the day. And I see some similarities. You know, these are stars. These are stars. The thing about Sean O'Malley is he, he himself discovered credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant 
doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. We are joined by Logan Ryan. Logan, it's great to have you on, man. What's cracking? How are you? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Long-time listener and fan of the show, so I'm excited. Dude, same thing, man. Mutual respect. Great to have you on the show. Been looking forward to it. Hey, let me ask you, bring me up to date. You had foot surgery last season, so what's the summer been like for you? And kind of like, where are you at mentally and physically right now? Yeah, I'm in a great place. You know, last year I signed with the Bucks, played my guy Brady um, with, a, with a great roster. Start off the season hot. Uh, interception, a couple turnovers in the first couple of games. The Bucks, we start off hot. And then I break my foot in week three, um, got a surgery, came back as quick as you can on, on that type of operation. And, uh, you know, fought it out with my guys. We didn't finish the year how we thought. So uh, definitely have taken the time to heal up. I feel great physically, um, emotionally. And, you know, 10 years in the NFL, like you said, spending some time with my family enjoying the, the time that I have and just trying to find the best fit and make the best decision for me and uh, find that, that, that right team for the right opportunity. Logan Ryan joining us. You know, you talked about trying to get back in the fight. Did you maybe come back too soon? I don't mean that irresponsibly, but man, what's it like when you're in it and you so badly want to rejoin that fight and you want to be a part of it? Did you push yourself to come back maybe even faster than you should have? What was the process like? Yeah, so I, I uh, had a Jones fracture, uh, broke the fifth metatarsal, the pinky bone in my, in, uh, you know, the bone that attaches to your pinky and your foot. And, you know, Derrick Henry has had that. Um, Kevin Durant has had that. Kyrie has that. If you have that in the NBA, I mean, those guys are different. You're shut down for the season. There's no timeline. You're just done. They, they jump a lot more. Uh, w- with football players, you know, they're going to they're gonna give us a timeline always, a chance to compete. So they told me seven to 12 weeks. So I said, fine, I'll be back in seven, guaranteed. And, you know, my plan ideally was to be ready to play in seven, but, you know, see where we were in playoff contention and then, you know, come back and join the team maybe in the playoffs or, you know, to the late you know end of the year, kind of give myself some time, maybe 10 weeks. Uh, but, you know, we weren't playing to the level that we thought and we needed to win every game, obviously, to make the playoffs and win a division last year. So I came back in seven weeks. Um, straight out of a boot, walking boot for six weeks, and I played a game in week seven. So I pushed it as fast as you can physically push that injury because I wanted to be out there with my guys, and I want to win, and I want to compete for something bigger than myself. So I don't know. I don't I don't know if it's too soon, but it's as soon as I'll let you go. So uh, that's when I went back out there. Yeah, it's how you dudes are wired. Different dudes, different breed, different cats. Logan Ryan joining <laughs> us. So let's be clear about this. You're not officially retired, right? Are you looking to play this year? Oh, yeah, definitely. For the right opportunity, like I said, I think I could be a little pickier um, having made some money and um, doing well with that, not spending it all on things that we don't need um, and having a beautiful family. So I think I'm a little pickier uh, on the right opportunity in the right place. But, um, you know, football and competing and, and like I said, doing something bigger than myself, that's just how I'm wired. And um, I'm still smart. I'm still tough. I'm still be the hardest worker in the building and I'm still extremely productive. So that's not going anywhere. So I think 
uh, I can pick up and play and, and join a team whenever that time is ready. We are talking to Logan Ryan. All right, so do this for me. Like, I, I believe you. I accept that, and I know that to be true. Now, just assuming that you're not playing week one, and who knows what will happen, but you know a little something about the AFC East. So let me ask you about that, the Jets. The Jets are a fascinating team, right? When was the last time we were able to say that about the Jets? Like, ever? Are you buying all the hype? How good? What is their upside? I'm I'm buying the hype, man, because they have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. And I just think game planning for certain guys, even Green Bay last year, um, you know, they're, they just never feel like they're out of a game because of the quarterback potential. I think the belief that he brings to the organization, watching some hard knocks, just – just how he's probably making his teammates better, how more efficiently the offense runs, the better reps that the defense is getting every single day. There was years in New England where I truly, truly felt, I know it's kind of like a cliche, but I know that we had practices harder than when we played the game. Like we would beat the Jaguars 59 to nothing and practice that week was harder than, you know, what we faced on Sunday. So I think just how much better he's allowed to make his teammates. I like CJ Mosley. I think he's one of the most underrated players in football. They have a great defense have a great defensive front, and I, I think they have great weapons as well, and I think the quarterback is what they're missing is going to come down to that offensive line um, because they got to be able to protect them. So I think if they're able to protect them and he's able to run the offense he's comfortable in, I don't know how you count them out of any game. I love these guys. I can't wait to see what they're about, but you're right. Uh, they've got to keep their QB1 upright. You, know, you mentioned the GOAT, Tom Brady, and it's one thing It's one thing if Aaron Rodgers makes guys around him better offensively. We know this. We get this. But you saw what Brady meant to the entire organization. Is Rodgers the same way? Like, are these the kind of guys that not only make the offense better, not only make the entire team better, but potentially they make the entire organization better just by virtue of walking through that door and being who they are? Yeah, I think I think that Rodgers makes the organization better just walking through the door just with the talent alone and the experience. But let's not mistake Tom Brady, emotional intelligence, EQ, something that we don't take account for enough in team sport. There's a reason why he has seven Super Bowls. He's the greatest at getting the best out of each individual and being there in a, in a humble way for each individual and pushing players and bringing them along. And I don't think there's a guy that's ever said it in enjoy playing with Tom Brady. I don't think there's a Patriot teammate that's ever said bad things or a Bucks teammate that ever said bad things about him because he is the best teammate. Um, he is the hardest worker. He does set the standard. Um, and he gives great grace to his teammates. So I feel there's no one, no one's on his level when it comes to that, that EQ there. And I think that's why he has seven. It, and Logan, these guys have th- th- that's, a, that's really interesting what you just said about his EQ. You don't hear guys talk about EQ very often. So let me ask you this. You mentioned that about his EQ. You know him really well. You obviously have immense respect for him. We know he's got this maniacal work ethic. We know he's got this incredible ability to compartmentalize and that EQ. However, looking at him last year and everything that he had to deal with off the field, do you think that finally for the first time it may have affected him some on the field? I, I think, you know, I don't know. His stats and all that are still going to look really good, you know. But I think something was definitely off last year. Um, Brady might not have felt that was his best season ever, but I think it was the best he can do deal with the stuff he was dealing with. But I don't think that the the guys around him did a great enough job of rallying up around him or raising their levels of game because, you know, we, we might have needed to raise up around him. So I, I think that 
some fault, yes, but I think also other guys might have took the foot off the gas a little bit because he wasn't around or, you know, he wasn't in training camp for a week. And I don't think guys rally around that. So I, I think it was a combination when a team failed. There's a lot of different things there. But we definitely fell below expectations, but that's just that's just the margin of error in, in, in the NFL. You're not going to go out there and just beat people because you're better on paper. That Not in football. That's the one sport you probably can't do that in. We're talking to Logan Ryan. Logan, it seems to me that like you're not done playing yet, but if and when you are done playing, you're going to have lots of different options. If you want to do what you and I are doing right now, I know you're going to do this at a really high level. So I want to ask you this. In my own personal instance, I have never, ever really talked about other media members because for years when I was coming up, so many people talked so much crap about me that my response always was, you know what? I talk sports, I interview athletes, and these bums talk about me and talk about my show. Good. So I just never did it. I never really responded to any of it or talked about other media people because I had my own show to do. However, the game has changed. The business has changed. So I want to ask you this, and I normally would never do this. Did Ryan Clark cross the line when he went in on Tua and said that he looked like an Atlanta stripper? What was your reaction to that? You know, I'm still gathering, I'm still gathering like the whole facts of the story. So I heard he, he spoke about him and then I just heard about the stripper thing last night. So I don't know if I have the full facts of what was like, I don't have Ryan Clark's quote. I don't know if I saw it in full. So maybe you could tell me that I can, I can let you know. But, um, I think, I think, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that's a good comparison. I mean, I think maybe, you're, you know, you're trying to do things maybe for likes or to be sensational or viral. I think Ryan Clark has a lot of respect for most players being a former player and doing at a high level like he does the media and how he played. But, yeah, I don't know why we ever need to, you know, talk about maybe it, maybe he was trying to make a comparison to his pre- preparation, which a media member may be able to say, but I, I don't I don't care for that. I think that could be a line crossed there. And I love the Tua snapback. I love that. Coming from the Samoan family, you don't respect that. From a Tua or a Mariota, I think they're very humble, and sometimes that hurts them um, in, in this business. At times, so I loved it to a snapback. I was for that. I, I was, too. I loved the way he fired back. The actual quote was, he's built like the girls working at Onyx right now. That's the actual quote. <laughs> he is thick. No, no. He looks happy. He is thick. He's built like the girls working at Onyx right now. Yeah, I don't I think I think he's trying to get some laughs from that. Little, little funny, but I just don't know. You know, I don't know if we've seen shirtless two photos or, or anything like that. So I, I really, I really don't know, man. I really don't know what Ryan Clark is coming out with that one. But I, like I said, the snapback was warranted, and I love the authenticity of some of these players. Of kind of just, you know, today in media, we want people that are real. You know, we want real answers. And uh, obviously, there's, there's a way you can answer things professionally. But I think sometimes players want. You don't want to speak their minds, and I'm, I appreciate too. Listen, it's media. It's new media. Like I, I respect. I was always that guy new that media. didn't play the game that was interviewing athletes. And now athletes have their own forum, and they can speak directly to the fans. I get that. I respect that. I understand that. But like, you wonder what's good media. I know what new media is or different media. But like, where do you draw the line? Like, I understand there's just this battle, Logan, and you understand this too because one day you might be doing this full time, or at least to a certain extent. Like, where do you draw the line? In terms of getting eyeballs and clicks and being viral like you want to be true to yourself but you don't want to be an ass clown i'm not saying ryan clark is but man 
you got to do it the right yeah. way, right? Yeah, I think I think there's uh you know there's debate shows where we're just trying to you know yell and um, trying to get attend and make bold takes. You know, I think maybe it was a hot take show. So you know, there's some shows that are hot takes. Uh, but you know, when I get in media, uh, I'm gonna story tell. I'm gonna tell stories from my perspective, from the defensive side of the ball, break the game down for people, tell some never told stories behind the scenes stuff. Um, I always look at the Last Dance, how that documentary was done in Netflix, and you got to see Michael Jordan, you got to see. Dennis Rodman and Pippen and the storytelling. And I was like, you know what? Everyone related. Everyone could relate with Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman. Let Rodman go to Vegas, man. That's what he needs. And it's crazy to say, but when you get to see the backstory behind it, you're like, maybe that's what he needs. That's how he walks. And that's how Phil Jackson taught him or allowed him to be. And that's why Phil Jackson's a great coach. So I believe in in doing media, just being authentic and, and the story. But I have that perspective. So, but I'm not into the hot take um, clickbait media. I played in New York. Uh, I had to do interviews every day. We weren't winning a ton of games when I was there. And it was, everyone was picking at everything I was saying to try to spin something to get, you know, more takes. And I, I hated that because that's not what I was trying to be, but that's, you know, they got to, they got to sell their papers, you know? Dude, you get it. You totally get it. You understand that. And by the way, stories kill. Stories always work. Stories always work. Stories will never go out of style. Stories will always work. All right, so before you go, and I appreciate your thoughts on all that, man. Thanks so much. Let me ask you about the Chiefs really quickly. Do you see Chris Jones making good on his threat to sit out eight games? And if so, how damaging would that be to them as the defending champs and they're defending their title? Yeah, I, I do see true on that and him sitting out eight games. And the reason is because in the new CBA, we made or it was agreed upon uh, by owners and the players agreed to it that holding out in training camp is not in your favor. Um, they can't necessarily refund the money like they used to do to a lot of big holdout players back in the day, five plus years ago, where guys can hold out and they refund you the money when you agree on the new contract. You can find fifty sixty thousand dollars a day you're never getting back so he might lose i don't know the math but he might lose you know a couple million or so just from training camp and that he's not getting back so if you're going that deep you might as well dig all the way in and yeah he will make a he will make a big difference of not being there because we know that mahomes can score a lot of points and always find a way to come back but chris jones is the is the focal point of that defense um, and he's a top 10 player in the NFL, and he's one of the best at his position, which is an important position. And he frees up a lot of stuff for the scheme that they're trying to run, him getting doubled all the time. It frees up, uh, you know, Bolden, the, the linebacker behind him who had a great Super Bowl. That That's a lot easier when you have Chris Jones ahead of you. So I do think that it can affect the Chiefs a little bit because he is – their defensive franchise player. Oh, I agree, dude. I agree. Very well said. He is a two-time Super Bowl champ, played with Tampa Bay last year, not retired, just waiting on the right opportunity. Logan Ryan joining us and talking about a lot of things. Dude, I appreciate you so much, Logan. Really well done. Great to have you on the show. You look great. You sound great. And you made the show better, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Anytime, just let me know. Right now. So we're joined by the big head himself, James Kelly. As I mentioned, head, zero-week college football right now, the NFL in a minute or two. I would ask you how you're living, but I already know, like a damn king. Am I right? That's right. Back to working about 10 to 15 minutes a week. I am living like a king, Jim, and football season, life is fantastic. 
Fantastic. Now, I've not heard from you much lately. In fact, not at all when I was in Boulder. Mm. Thanks for that. Good looking out, by the way. Yeah. Well, but since I haven't heard from your ass, it leads me to believe that you have been doing your research. How hard have you been hitting prep for both college and pro football? Yeah, first off, sorry about not picking uh, you or the fam up or not offering sooner to do that. I'll make up for it now, next time, for sure. You're, um, neither, neither of those things are true. You're not sorry, and you won't make up for it. I think I will, though. But prep-wise, I'm on point, man. I've been, I've been at this thing all year. I stay in shape, but the last six weeks I have been hitting it hard. Okay, I like that. I stay in shape. It's it's always better to stay in shape than have to get into shape, right? That's exactly right. Yep. I know what you're saying. All right, right, so let's find out. Let's find out whether or not you have fat takes or if they're shredded. <laughs> let's hit some NFL let's futures. Last time you and I did this, we did the AFC. Why don't we talk NFC clones? Write this down. We're doing this right now. Let's hit the NFC divisional winners. Why don't we start with the NFC East, where the defending NFC champs, the Eagles reside, and Mm -hmm. where it's now or never head for the big fella, Mike McCarthy, the old fella, Jera, and Mm -hmm. Dak Prescott, who truly has to show whether or not he is elite. Who do you like in the NFC East? Give me an NFL future bet. The Eagles are the minus 135 favorite to win that division, but I'm going to go with that pudgy guy you just mentioned, Jim, and the Dallas Cowboys here. Oh, yes. you At, are not. Yes, I am. Plus 190, it's worth a shot here. I love the roster. Dak has a top 10 line. Tony Pollard and Deuce Vaughn in the love backfield. Whiteouts of C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, who can stretch the field now. Michael Gallup is two years removed from an ACL, and even Jalen Tolbert has looked good in camp. On defense, they have possibly the best pass rush in football. A damn good secondary now after adding Stephon Gilmore. They did lose a rookie named DeMarvian Overshown, and he's really good at football, so that's going to hurt the linebacker. How many times did you practice that name? A a lot of times, but I saw him play at Texas, and he is a good linebacker, and they could have used him big time. Then why did you have so much trouble with linebacker? Ah, I don't know. Overshown is Because you were celebrating what you did. Winthrop. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Anyways... Also, when, what, when in doubt, throw Winthrop at it. What's that? When in doubt, just throw Winthrop at it. Winthrop, Winthrop right there, right? There you go. That helps a lot, too. Um, what will Mitch help Trubisky. them as well is the size they got at defensive tackle, so hopefully they can stop the run better than they did a year ago. I have them winning the NFC West, and then I'd assume Pudgy Mike and Dak. They're not going to win the NFC inter- West. They're not even in the NFC West. Yeah, NFC East, my bad. How the hell are they going to win the NFC West? I wonder if they could possibly. No, they can't. They can't. They can't. Because they can't beat the They, they have right? about as much of a chance of winning the NFC West as Winthrop does. Yeah, they My do. bad. I and called it wrong. Come on, man. Like they did last year to the West. Come on, playoffs. man. So, Cowboys. Maybe, maybe they can win the NL West. <laughs> Cowboys plus 190 to win the East. Dude, you, know, you know what the worst part is? Like, I want to clown that pick so badly, and I can't. I Dude, can't. They have a good roster. You make, you make. They have a damn good roster. I a know. really, a really good roster and a really average coach. I know. So but we'll come say, playoff time, they'll choke. I mean, I know that. But that's not the bet. All right. Like that. <laughs> like that. Like that. All right. right. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I like. I like. I like the oh. NFC North mm-hmm. because everybody loves the Lions, including you and I. Sleeping on the Vikings is usually pretty dangerous, although I know every time that I do, I get burned. Mm -hmm. Just like every time I ride with them, I get burned. 
Mm-hmm. I feel a pretty significant improvement from my workout partner, Justin Fields, and the Bears. <laughs> and I'm really anxious to see what Jordan Love has and what it means to the Packers. What are you doing with the NFC North? So our Detroit Lions are the now plus 140 favorite to win that. Mm. But I am going to go with the Minnesota Vikings wow. and their plus 275 odds here. Yes, dude. Do you like People... the roster that much? I'm sorry to interrupt you before you tell me why, but do you like the roster that much or do you like the value that much or yes? So a combination of all of them. I like the plus 275 Both of odds them, not get. all of them. It was only two. Okay, so I like their odds, and I like their schedule, and then I like their coaching. I love Kevin O'Connell's system, and he has now more playmakers than he did a year ago, and he already did a damn good job. Two, Ed Donatel is gone, and Brian Flores is there, and I love Brian Flores. He doesn't have great talent on that defense, but while Ed allowed everybody to throw hate makers at him, Brian will not do that. He will attack these guys. He'll get after them. I promise they will not rank 31st in total defense. I think it's probably the best assistant hire of the uh, offseason here. I love Brian Flores. And, yeah, I know um, you made that pretty clear, dude. I know. Big Flores guy. Also, Hey, dude, I do you like aware, Brian though, Flores? <laughs> look what he did with Miami I Dolphins, love by him. the way. A team that was tanking back in the day, and he had those guys competitive. He should be a head coach, and he probably will be again after he does a good job with this unit. They do have a tougher schedule than the Lions. That's dangerous, very much so. But um, I love the Vikings here at plus 275. And also, Jim, they do have the GOAT still calling play-by-play for him, PA. So let's go with the Vikings. Give it to us. Love Give PA. us the safety. Love PA. Love, love, him. love him. How about love your him. Vikings, Vikings fan? Look at that. God, oh. I love that guy. Paul Allen's so great. I the best. love him. Legend. Legend. All right. So there you go. Let's go to the NFC South, the proverbially wide-ass open division. I could almost, almost make an argument for any of the four, which is not necessarily a good thing, Mm -hmm. but as you break down this division, what do you see? Who do you like? I thought about going with angry Arthur Smith. You know how much I love him and his Falcons. I love his coaching staff. Me too. But I'm going to go with the favorite here in the Saints here at plus 120. Not bad number. I get plus money, and I like Sang. New Orleans. <laughs> what, what did you just say? See, what, what did he just say? What did you just say? Say, I like the New Orleans Saints. Yes, I do. I love Sang. them. How many syllables are there in Saints? Saints. <laughs> they have a top, top five defense in yards per game last Sang. season. They had some positive turnover in their front seven. This is why we like them. Add Derek Carr, who is now the best quarterback in a division that has offensive weapons surrounding him. Chris Olave, hopefully. Better than my guy guard. Baker? Who? Yeah. T- yes, I think so. Okay. I think so. All right. Uh, they probably, yeah, backfield-wise. If you com- if you combine Olave, yeah. can't guard Mike. Yeah. Um, Rashid Shahid, he's damn good sleeper for a lot of people out here for fantasy. Jawan Johnson, who you talked to, very good tight end. Alvin Kamara. And our guy, Jamal Williams. They also, Jim, have the easiest schedule in the NFL. You should take a look at that thing. They could win 10 to 11 games here. Mm-hmm. And they have the best locker room in the history of sports. Great leaders in Demario Davis, the Honey Badger, and honey generational Badger. leaders in Jameis, Jamal, and uh, Crying Derek. So lock it in. That's be the result. Dude, that is an actually that. awesome argument this for them. And mm-hmm. suddenly it does not this seem so wide guys. open, like I said. I, I like... The Saints. Saints. After Plus hearing that. Plus right. money. Great locker yes. room. Great locker room. Great leadership. All right, let's get to your favorite division of all. 
the one ruled by your favorite surrogate family, the oh. Shanahan's, mm-hmm. a family that's not having the best of weeks. Let's be honest. Your Horrible surrogate week. pop, Rat Shanahan, with two T's. Who didn't You're get s- in the Hall of Fame, which is garbage, but go ahead. Sorry. Why do you Gar- think that is, by the way? I don't know. The, yes, the you do. Stupid. Why do you think they, that is? The There's a reason stupid. why. Yeah. I, I mean, how they Holy voted in. They're only like one coach contributor or however they're doing it in at a time. This guy should have been in five freaking years ago. Well, why is that honest. so personal to you? Because he's your surrogate dad. Because it takes everybody so long to figure this stuff out, and it pisses me off. Just like Kyle. But, 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 but not you. You, you figured family. it out right away. You knew. Well, I'm pretty how come, smart. How come you don't have a vote? Mm-hmm. I'm like Sean O'Malley. Very, very smart. And I, I see stuff before it happens. Don't, don't act like you knew he was going to win that fight. Well, I thought he could connect with a right and No, you it. did not. I bet it. No, you bet <laughs> the under three and a half is what you bet. And you won the bet. That I was good. I did win the bet. Do yeah. not tell me you thought he was going to win that fight. I thought he had a puncher's chance. And he did. Anyway. Win! Your stepbrother, win! Kyle, win! announced that Trey Lance could not beat out Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. And then was nowhere to be found. And then mm-hmm. Fred Warner had to deal with it. And now we're talking about a guy who's not only QB3, he might be QB4. Mm-hmm. I want to say that it's one of the biggest train wrecks ever, and it is. But mm-hmm. amazingly, they're still one of the ones to beat. Yeah. Overall, what are you doing with your favorite family and that division? I've always said horrible in the draft room and goat-like coaches on the sideline. And you know I'm taking them to win the West, Jim, at minus 160. No way. Yeah, I'm sorry, minus, minus 160? Minus 160. Not Eight bad number for bad. the weak division it is. Also adding Javon Hargrave to man the middle of that defense, which they after absolutely got bullied by his old team in Philly last year in the NFC Championship game. I love that signing. Huge for the 49ers, especially come playoff time. Seattle, is they're good. They can compete. Um, they could win it for sure. The Cardinals can't. They are ass, and they're embracing an operation shutdown already for the season. The Rams probably from about 7 to 53 have equal talent to the Cardinals. So let's go San Fran minus 160. Ouch. That's pretty harsh, but maybe not unnecessarily. accurate, though, dude. Look at those yeah, rosters. I know. It. Yeah. I know. Well, at least they, they have a ring, so mm-hmm. you can't take that. Listen, this is a long fat segment do you mm-hmm. feel like you still have enough oxygen and enough energy to finish it off i think we could do an entire hour here jim yeah i, I know you th- i know you think we can <laughs> i know you can't all right let's keep moving we've got zero week college football by the way this is going so long i'm going to reset it in the middle we are joined by james kelly it's big head bets beautiful starring james kelly and mm-hmm. i More storylines in college football this year than ever before. One of the good ones is Notre Dame and what head coach Marcus Freeman does in year number two there. They Mm -hmm. open up against Navy. Always a fun matchup. If you like the midshipmen, I know there's value in that play. I just don't know how much value. Why don't you tell me what the number is and how you're going to play that game? Yeah, so Notre Dame opened as an 18.5-point favorite. It's moved now to 21 points. Mm. I'm going to take the points in the Navy here. Um, hoping uh, with Sam Hartman being new and a new OC, it takes Notre Dame a minute to get going. Also, mm. Navy has nine guys returning on a defense that ranks second in the country in rushing yards given up per game last year. Also, their offense ranked fourth in the country in rushing, and Notre Dame's line lost three mainstays there. Also, technically, it's a neutral site because it's been playing in Ireland, but it is a fighting Irish, so I think it's kind of a road game for the midshipmen. 
where they were 5-0 and ATS on the road last year. So let's go with Navy, plus 21 here. Interesting. Very interesting play. All right. Which I do and- love Notre Dame. I love Hartman. He is great. He's a leader. He's everything you want. Notre Dame is going to be good this year. No doubt. All right. So anything else in college football that you can think of that we can make money on this weekend? Yeah, New Mexico State minus seven over UMass. UMass had the lowest scoring offense in the FBS at 12.5 points a game last season, and they have five guys on offense coming back, and one isn't a consistent quarterback. The Minutemen are 3-37 and in their last 40 games. Jerry Kill had the Aggies in his first season at the school in their second bowl game in 63 years, so I love his Aggies. Minus seven here. Jerry Kill. Jerry Kill. I like that. I like that. There's a blast from the past. Mm -hmm. All right, so we don't want this action, Head. We need this action. Run it all back for me. What did we cover today? Who are you hitting? NFC Division winners. Cowboys plus 190 to win the East, not West there. Vikings plus 275 to win the North. Saints. 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 Thank you, Alvin. Plus 120 to win the South. San Fran and my family, minus 160 to win the West. College football work uh, week zero. Navy plus 21 over Notre Dame. Uh, I think Notre Dame wins, but Navy covers that. New Mexico State, Jerry Kill, minus 7 VU Mass. All right, that was fun. That was a blast. That was well done. Now let's go get some money. Let's get the bag. Great job, Head. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jim. Hey, Alvin, since it's only the three days that were, do you have time? Hit it. I was going to say, welcome to the jungle, but what I really want to say is look who's back. It's incredible. Just bouncing around, doing what I'm doing, taking vacation, mixing in a few more days after the vacation, but I am home. I am back. I have nowhere to be other than right here, nowhere to go. Got it out of the way. What's cracking? Because we're so regimented and so locked into our routine, it is awfully strange to show up on a Wednesday. A hump day. But that's what it is. Jonathan Taylor, his attitude, his mind, his talent, his work ethic, his intangibles. I love this guy. The running back market is no different for him than for any of the others. Literally so. Literally. Literally. Boulder is an amazing town. Yeah, I know. Here we go, Boulder Jim. I'm going to tell you right now, Mr. Rome, you sound like a homer. I got some quality time with Rogues. He starts to fill me in on some of what went down in Columbia. And after hearing his story, I said, Rogues, let me tell you something. This is a Rocky Mountain Medi. We are joined right now by Mike Tyson. Hey, Jim. Man, it's beautiful to hear your voice, brother. How big of an upset would that be? That would be a bigger upset than Douglas Tyson. Would it? Yeah. Did you think back on that night, what do you remember? Um, I remember I took a good ass whooping. I mean, you're no stranger. That was awkward. Josh Harris may be a billionaire, but he clearly at this point is does not know what to do with his hands guy. He's guessing wrong, wrong, wrong. And you know who he guesses? Oge. Would that not be the greatest twist ever? Yeah, yeah. Oge and I were secretly best friends all along, (laughs) and we just kind of agreed to do this for content. We're talking to Tom Uh, Robin. Greg, what are you doing? He said, what? I said, well, you know he's going to go downstairs and he's going to get thrown out of the game now. And he said, oh, I know. Dude, you love the pitch, don't you? And I'm going to treat my sh- like sh- Is that how you coach guys up? You tell them you're a piece of bleep and I'm going to treat you like bleep until you figure out how to be a star? Is that how you coach dudes up? So profound. You know what would be cheaper for me to do? Buy a Starbucks franchise and install it in the studio. probably would be cheaper to own it, pay the payroll and staff on it than what I've been pouring into them every single day. I mean, honestly, I Frisco fan. Hey, Frisco fan. I don't know much about the situation. I mean, I got to be honest. Instead of talking about what an amazing story Brock Purdy 
Purdy is, why don't we take a moment and consider what an unmitigated disaster the Trey Lance transaction is. We're talking to Dexter Fowler. I see David all the time. He's a great dude. He passed by my house and I was getting out. Is this, I don't know if I can curse on here. He's not like, here, not here, bro. <laughs> Obviously, Shohei. Man, what a depressing franchise. He walks, then they get next to nothing in return, and they end up wasting two of the greatest players in baseball history, both in their prime, and have you nothing to show nothing. for it. Find me something more depressing than that. Joey McGuire. Man, I feel great. Uh, man, this is, a, this is a huge honor, man. I'm a big fan of yours, bro, so pretty fired up to be a part of this. So, man, thank you so much for having us on. For months, like, I was that mad. I'm like, how did that guy do me like that? And then one day I looked in the mirror, I'm like, you glorified this. This guy for being the rock star, and now you're pissed when he rock starred you. So profound. You gotta own that. How about me going to a meeting and doing this before I go? Hey Chris, you seem pretty hyped up for this meeting. Let's get busy. You seem to have a little uh powdered sugar under your beak. Uh break room, powdered donuts. Dude, settle down, man. Why don't you settle down? What do you want to talk about? I'm here. Why are you so hyped up to talk about the Browns? I'm fine. What's in the break room? They're powdered donuts. What? Were they gonna eat themselves? Where do you think you rank among the best duos in college football history? Yeah, come on now. That's some bullshit. You know, we number one. I don't give a damn about no Ty Gurley. Like, I don't care about, you know, Ronnie and Cadillac. I know what me and Reggie did. So he's 34 miles an hour less than this year than he was is last Is that dude year. that ancient? Is that dude that out of touch? Or is that dude a world class troll. We are joined right now by The Sugar Show. I'd just like to mention how short he is, that I would love to help him with his wrestling defense. So I always would offer that for whenever Henry wants to come in and learn some stuff, some wrestling from me. Logan Ryan, he is thick. He's built like the girls working at Onyx right now. Yeah, I don't. I think I think he's trying to get some laughs from that. A little funny, but I just don't know. You know, I don't know if we've seen shirtless two photos or, or anything like that. Whoa. Cindy is in the back in the back row today. Is that loud enough for you, Alex? You happy now? Should we just stitches. run that under the entire program? Brad Nar too. I'm gonna go with the favorite here in the Saints here at plus 120. I get plus money and I like Sang. New Orleans. What did he just say? Well, what did he just say? What did you just say? I'm like, dude. Really? So I would have to agree with you, Jim. Thank you, brother. Love. Eagle River is fat and Boulder is shredded. This has been big, and if you ever need us, man, just give us a holler. Man, Ohio State is their Suck. So profound. Good night now! Three damn good days, man. Good stuff. Good night!